You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. I'm She Wolf. And I'm Beatrix Gravesguard. We'll be casting witchy vibes and sonic spells until 6 p.m. So gather around, light a candle, and levitate with us. You just heard St. Vincent with Smoking Section. That was the Jalen remix. Before that was Kilo Quiche with Spark. Starting off our show today was The Knife with Lasagna. Favorite food here at Astral Projection Radio Hour. Also the favorite food of the favorite cat. I know. I think I'm going to make lasagna for our next uh, coven night. Sounds good. (laughs) Delicious dish here on Astral Projection Radio Hour. Have you seen that video of... um, I don't remember <laughs> the celebrity, it? but it was someone, a celebrity being asked what their favorite dish was. Oh. And they were just like trolling the interviewer and was like, hmm, I would have to say a mug. I just love that it can hold hot substances and has a handle. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. A mug is a great uh, vessel. Yeah. Great container. You can bake a cake in a mug in the microwave. It's true, but the <laughs> the person was trying to, uh, the interviewer was like asking about like what's your favorite like food dish, mm. like what like lasagna or spaghetti or whatever. And this person was just like, hmm, what vessel? What a vessel. <laughs> that um, was really good. I'm really into asking people. I think the number one food question I ask people is like, what's your hierarchy? Like, what's your hierarchy of fried potato shapes and mediums and then i secretly judge you based on your answer Mm. like are we compatible or are we not though i do have a really great um relationship with one of my best friends of like 20 plus years she likes really soggy potato items and i like Mm. crispy and so we just we don't even have to like talk about it anymore we just will exchange the fries on our plates she gets the soggy ones and i get the crispy ones i like a happy medium of the two where the outside is crispy and the inside is creamy. Oh yeah. Sometimes you gotta get the ones that do like, they like, they like fry them twice. That's how they get. That's and I like a, I like a seasoned outside. Yes. Agree. Yeah. I like, I like curly fries and I like Popeye's fries. I don't think I've ever actually had Popeye's fries. Are they seasoned? Steak. Yeah. They're, they're seasoned. They're Cajun oh. seasoned fries. Oh, that is a mistake that you must okay. rectify. Yeah. Maybe I'll also bring Popeyes very good. to Kevin Knight. Yeah. Popeyes and lasagna. We are entering a full moon in Gemini. This is the last full moon of the decade. Holy crap. What? I just had this like super stoner thought earlier today. I was like, the last century was 20 years ago. The, the 20th century was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's so weird to me. I don't know 20, why. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. That just seems like a really long time that I've been alive, mm-hmm. which I guess it has. And well, it's all relative, but I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's also just a blink. Um, so, last full moon of the decade, how will you spend it? This is uh, a good time to kind of channel the confluence of Gemini and Sagittarius energies. We also have uh, the Sun and Mercury in Sagittarius right now. Um, So this is a time that can be incredibly celebratory or it can be 
incredibly overwhelming depending on how willing you are to open yourself up to uh, the world and those that surround you. So um, practice awareness and attention to the things flying under your emotional radar. Make yourself available to those you love and trust. Spend time with community. Seek wisdom outside of you. Give and share and pay it forward. This is like kind of a, a season of abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Sag, Sun, and Mercury, you're going to be channeling um, a lot of fool energy. So curiosity, exploration, sense of humor, letting go, and uh, novelty, learning new things, and irreverence. Um, I've felt a lot of like kind of need for novelty usually yeah. in, the, in the past uh, couple weeks. And I've in what also... Sense? Just, uh, I, I've been really like diving into learning new things Ooh. and um, I've been really loving the feeling of confusion that comes with not really understanding a new thing and also um, the, the sense of play and like, for lack of a better word, like dumbness. Mm-hmm. Like I I <clears throat> just have <throat> been really reveling in a sense of like dumbness and silliness. I love that. And um, I've also been, I, I guess I've, I've just been feeling like um, sort of this, this uh, like like novelty is something that I'm, I'm also seeking, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm like, when I'm making decisions lately, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about like, oh, well, what's, what's kind of like the most novel choice out of this array and i i have a sagittarius sun and a gemini moon and i was born on a full moon so mm-hmm. this is kind of a I, I think i'm like at peak wolf powers right yeah, now it's so potent <laughs> time for you yeah i love that i think i'm transitioning from a tower card phase this fall has been very tower card for me it's like um things are gonna get burned down whether you like it or not uh and I think I really uh, it's meaningful that you talked about the fool because I, I definitely feel like fool energy coming in. And it's I'm in a phase where a lot of things are concluding in my life or a lot of like chapters are wrapping up. And I, I don't know if you ever get that sense where I'm just like, oh, I'm at the end of something, which also means you're at the beginning of something. Oh, yeah. It really excites me. And I have been just like, yeah, I'm just like, you know, the. I always think of a Sagittarius energy as like the sort of um, yeah the sort of yeah yeah oh, oh I thought you had you were like guessing what I was about to say next no no, no I'm just, yet. I'm just excited I'm exciting yeah. uh, I, I always think of great I, I think of it as the um sort of uh Siberian husky oh. sled dog <laughs> that's just sort of like so excited like bounding through the snow and just Aww. like flopping around you know I love that and. I I've just been I've just been feeling really floppy lately, and that's a good it's, sensation. And a nice as somebody who's very earth heavy, I do not. It's harder for me uh, to like access my flop my floppiness. That's not just laziness, but like uh, it's harder for me to access like full energy. And I was I was noticing that like as I was thinking about all these things in my life that are like sort of transitioning or ending or, or changing. And I started to like hear this voice 
be like, well, maybe you shouldn't let go of that. Or maybe you shouldn't move so fast on this. Or maybe you shouldn't. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. It's like this, you know, it's like the voice, the anti-fool voice. And I'm like, no, 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 I need more fool energy. That's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, just do it. What do you got to lose? Like, you've, you know, you've taken plenty of weird risks before and like been fine. But it's interesting. I think oftentimes like the older we get, the less like energy we like know how to embrace or channel. Yeah, you're like further along in the, yeah. in, the in the narrative. Yeah. Um, it's worth bringing up these questions that I wrote down when mm. I was kind of like researching what um, you know this this moon has to do with this time and and just some questions that came up for me and and hopefully for all of you as well is um, where are you closing yourself off? Where in your body are you holding it in? What are you attempting to protect? Mm. What if you set it free instead? I like that. I've been really into lately. Um, uh, former guest of the show uh, who does color magic. Oh, yeah. Did you see the color for next year? Oh, I, yeah. I thought like, of you. It's like blue. It's this blue that you wear a lot. Yeah, it's like it's like basic blue. I think is the name of it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna read. Uh, she's been doing these really amazing, like daily. Um, Sarah Potter, her name is. Um, daily like tarot card pulls, and I ha- on her Instagram story, she does them every day, and she just writes these really great um, captions to go with them. And I love it because then she like shares what people respond to. So today she pulled. The devil and another card. Um, I can't really see what that one is. Um, she says, this duo is reminding us that it is time to let go of the past, especially the vices we have been holding on to. Um, hello, do you really want to bring a bag of trash into the new year with you? The new decade? We have a full moon this week, and that provides optimal energy to release what is no longer serving us. Uh, it's a transition. It's not exactly an easy or happy one. But in order to move on and move forward, you must let go of the past and the people you have become unhealthily attached to. Um, anyways, I was like, damn, that's on point. Yeah, we've gone through a lot of full moons in the past almost six years here. And one of the one of the things we say the most outside of, I think early in the show, we would tell people to recharge your crystals. <laughs> under the full moon and now it's like uh, a lot of people don't have crystals but they're still witches um but it's uh, the full moon is that sort of um peak you've you've climbed from the deep dark underworld of the new moon climbed into the light and then this is where you kind of like it's at the the peak of of that sort of like sinusoidal sinusoidal wave you know and you're going back down what's that Um, word sinusoidal yeah, it's a like great a, word. A What's it wave? mean? Oh, a sine wave. Okay. Yeah, like a sine wave. Yeah. You've never heard that word? No, but I oh love it. Oh my god. <laughs> the language person. Like sinusoidal. It's um it's it's uh the movement that a wave makes. Oh. And um like a sine a sine curve, there's um there's uh peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. And um so it's kind of you can think of that like waxing and waning of the moon yeah. as as a sinusoidal movement and from the side it's a spiral. Right. Um, and you know, you're, you're at this like peak energy and that's the, the time that you both 
celebrate and release and this yeah and we we talk a lot about the proverbial letting go of what no longer serves you Ugh, why is it so (laughs) hard (laughs) i uh i read a book you mentioned last week which book um the untethered soul oh i'm still like halfway through do you have any i think i mentioned that i both hated i'm hating it and loving it oh yeah that makes a lot of sense what are Um, you what are your thoughts I I found it really useful. Yeah. I um I have been meditating on and off for quite some time and I'm mm-hmm. also like have a long uh history with with Buddhism in, in various ways, like through my family, but I was really I mean like the, it definitely felt like a grain of salt kind of book. Yeah. You know, like it's it's like okay, like don't use this book to like spiritually bypass or anything. Right. But like there were a lot of a lot of metaphors in that book that I was like, "Ooh, this is sort of like an upgrade to my algorithm, you know? <laughs> like this is like a software update. It's totally a and, software update." And I was oh like, God. "Oh, that's like a new kind of like visualization yeah. that I really um, enjoy thinking about this thing that you know, like I I've never like held it in that shape." Which that's is, a really which beautiful nice. way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it may. I think it only angers me because it makes me realize how in my head and like feelings I am most of the time, and how mm-hmm. like sort of captive I am. Mm-hmm. And so there's like one tactic he mentions that I've actually have found really helpful because I definitely had a weekend where I felt like I was like my brain was like gnawing on a bone and like would not let go of it, and I was like, why am I stuck in this weird feelings loop? And then he has this kind of tactic where he like. He's like, see if you couldn't like stand behind it. Yeah. You know, um, like you're behind it looking at it. And mm-hmm. so I kind of practiced that and it actually worked. Like it calmed yeah. me down immediately. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. I'm not, I am not my feelings. And I yeah. think I, you know, it's taken me what, 38 years to like really learn or, or continue to try to learn that like I am not my feelings. Like the way I feelings are not a thing that like need to define me. I thought a lot about how um, algorithms and spells are kind of the same. Oh, how so? Well, so the kind of, you know, the definition of an algorithm is it's kind of a set of instructions for a process. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we think of the capital A algorithm as the thing that like shows you advertisements on Instagram or <laughs> right. whatever. But like the at at the very core, like what it is is it's a set of instructions for a process that is to be repeated. And um and so you can think of spells as mm, similar yeah, you know, that, sets of instructions for sense. processes to be repeated and, and to be sometimes iterated on. Um and so it's kind of neat to think of like this thing of, you know, even even just the st- the standing behind and observing your your thoughts and feelings is kind of like an algorithm to to like find peace. You know. Oh like yeah. One, yeah, I like that. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. But it's crazy to me, like reading that book. I'm like, man, we all just walk around like reacting to each other's feelings mm. yeah. <laughs> without even like really being aware of it. It's like. Someone's having a feeling and they react to you based off of that feeling and then you react back and I'm like, man, we're just little bumper cars of emotions. Yeah, do you know the 
the book series slash uh, current HBO show, uh, His Dark Materials. I, I've, I've heard of it, but I've not read or seen it. I've been watching it and I really love it. Oh. Um, I love the book series too. And okay. I think it's like, I haven't read the books in probably over a decade, um, but I have fond memories of them. Yeah. And I, I don't like remember everything all the way, which I kind of prefer going into the series because I can't be like critical about how things are portrayed, you know? Yeah. And because um, I, I feel like that sucks a lot of fun out of, out of like watching a, a thing. Um, but I, I've been watching it. And so one of the worlds, so it's like all these parallel worlds, but one of the worlds um, that you enter into is one in which everyone has sort of an animal companion that they call a demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, you, it, you have like sort of an amorphous one that can kind of shift yes. until you kind of come of age. And is I it, think this like, is the Golden Compass, right? The Golden Compass okay. is one of the books. I re- yeah, I've yeah, read the, that one. The first book, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's really interesting in the show how they kind of like show, they show the this um, demon as sort of a... Um, it's sort of like the voice of reason slash con- conscience mm-hmm. of a lot of these characters. And when I was reading The Untethered Soul, I was like thinking about how, you know, we, a lot of the time, what we attribute to ourself is is kind of like more our demon, right? Yes. And and what you were just mentioning, like we go through our lives with our, with our demons, like getting into little like tussles with each yep. other, you know? Yep. And we're just like, we get really invested <laughs> in that. But really, it's just you can step back and be like, all right, Coyote, let's go. Let's yeah, go. let's go. Let's Stop go. yapping. All right, it's okay. <laughs> I love that. All right, I'm going to read one last thing about Full Moon and Gemini. Uh, this is from the Astrological Grimoire, which you can find in all bookstores <laughs> yes. near you. Yeah. Or on the interwebs. Full Moon in Gemini. Look around you. What is presenting itself to you in abundance right now? It might show up in unusual places. You may not even be able to touch it, but if you pay attention, you can feel it. Press the mute button on your internal chatter and instead notice how this abundance makes you feel in your bones. How did you call it into existence? Your dreams might have something to tell you about what's lurking under the surface of your subconscious, trying to poke through for you to grab hold and and make real. Rather than let their shadows make you nervous, try to decipher the messages you're receiving. Draw pictures of the messages as people or blobs. Give them each a name. Check in with them next month. Maybe one of those blobs is your demon. You know? I'm a big fan of blob therapy. That was one of the first things I started drawing when I did draw your days. Uh, and the blob that emerged was a hot pink blob with lips named Shanice. Oh, I remember this blob. Yeah. She <laughs> gave me a lot of really good advice. Yeah. What was she made out of like hot pink slime? Or, I think so. Yeah. 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 You can tweet at us at which radio. Tell us what your, uh, what your blob slash demon forms are uh you can also follow us on instagram at which radio this is monopoly with i'm lit like fire you're listening to astral projection radio hour on bff.fm
Projection Radio Hour on BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. We just heard Alexander Robotnik and Martine Michelode with. Can you pronounce this in your phone? Oh, <laughs> hold on. Uh, Problems of is, love. Uh, yeah, Problème d'amour. Before that was Dizzy Faye with Alter. Starting off that set was I'm Lit Like Fire by Monopoly. A train through the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about loneliness. Oh man, I just finished reading this essay you shared, and I'm like, I could do a whole show on this topic. Yeah, so much to say on this. Yeah, um, let's, this let's comes from a piece you found from Lit Hub called Ophelia and After Inventing the Lonely Literary Woman. Uh, Ophelia is a character in Hamlet, uh, in Hamlet, which is Shakespeare play. And as a huge word nerd and Shakespeare word nerd, I was like, of course. Uh, Ophelia is the first character to whom Shakespeare applies the word loneliness, which at the time was like a neologism, a new word in the English language. Yeah, that was really fascinating to read. And it was also fascinating to read that um, the word loneliness was uh, was sort of a, a successor of the word oneliness yeah which is a word meaning solitude and we had a whole debate a couple weeks ago on like loneliness versus solitude and why people have like a negative connotation with loneliness yeah and and positive one with solitude and i as i when i found this article i was like oh my god yeah i'm glad that there's someone smarter thinking about this because it it really does kind of like pinpoint this this strange um like shame that we've tacked on to to the world the word loneliness in particular when it comes to women yes oh man um it's it's such a fascinating topic to me i listened to this is somewhat related a friend who got me hooked on this podcast it's hosted co-hosted by these two women in their late 50s early 60s they're both very successful women one was the former executive producer of Oprah's show, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise of the show is they're both like retired now. They're both like pretty wealthy, pretty successful. They run their own businesses and neither of them, one of them like had kids and got divorced pretty young. One of them never got married or had kids. Not like that's, you know, a marker or anything, but they both are at this stage in life where they're like, they're kind of reckoning with the notion that like they are very, they've lived very independent lives. They've relished to their solitude, mm-hmm. but that one of the things that they they're realizing is that they, part of the reasons that they became so sort of powerful in their careers was because it was like a solitude they could control mm-hmm. and like a success you could control. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of avoidant of looking for a romantic partner both because they felt like that was something that they had no control over. Um, and it were, you know, like where it's like work is quantifiable, right? Um, yeah. And I but I find this show like mesmerizing because it's really, there's also like a weird sometimes like shame that comes with being a woman and you're like, I'm an independent woman and I enjoy my solitude, but you're like, but I, sometimes I get lonely or like I yeah. would like a partner and we're in this sort of like nebulous feminist phase where we're kind of expected to like to have no needs to have no needs exactly um or to like feel weird shame if you're like well i'd like to have a partner i'd like to meet somebody you know i'd like to like you know do this with someone else um so anyways i'm like i love this show because it's super honest um about that and i really really like i'm somebody who at least for the last decade, it turned into like a pretty big workaholic. Like I think for those control reasons, like, mm-hmm. you know, got out of like relationships and was like, nope, that sucked. Uh, and I can't control any of it. So I'm going to turn to the thing that I can control. But so like listening to these two of them, I'm like, oh man, this is a total glimpse of like my future. Mm. <laughs> um, so I appreciate hearing like this, story from older women yeah and it's this article too mentions you know we we kind of attribute we masculine qualities yes. to, to being solitary and feminine qualities to loneliness so um you know men in literature historically have been allowed to be both solitary and lonely um but for uh but solitude has kind of a a vocal uh, place it's it's active um whereas loneliness is is a place of quiet and silence and um as you know we're in this place where the single independent woman has kind of become a trope like we've kind of leaned or i don't want to say we but like women i guess um who who embody um um a need for that strength have have leaned into the the voiced mm-hmm. solitude and away from the voiceless loneliness. Totally. Well, and also like I think a lot about the fact that to to be a woman like the trope of like, you know, a man striking out on his own on a road trip or, you know, to travel and embrace solitude, like that's not something that like a woman could do safely until mm-hmm. like what maybe like the last century you know I mean, uh, even, even just, now <laughs> yeah just even even just having um financial independence oh was, yeah is a very recent thing i was just reading um or to, like travel alone yeah 
I, I was just reading kind of a, a history of this very recent phenomenon, mm -hmm. recent phenomenon of engagement rings. Oh. And some of the early history of engagement rings is like very fraught because at a time where, um, say, a person, a, a man proposes marriage to a mm -hmm. woman and then breaks it off, there's a sense that the woman has had some kind of like loss in value through like either like uh, reputation or virginity <laughs> and that the engagement ring came about as a way to like give a sort of like a guarantee. Uh, you know, isn't that disgusting? That's disgusting. It's like, ah. Uh, um, <laughs> but I was, I was like reminded to reading that, that like it's not too long ago that for a woman to um, be married was the only kind of like financial path available. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's sort of like the need for an engagement ring has remained in sort of the public idea of like love and mm -hmm. value. Um, anyway, really gross. Yeah. Um, but so this article also, and, and it's by um, Angela F. Uh, Kian, by the way. It's a great, so I'm like, I want to read every book she mentions on this, in this uh, essay. Yeah, so she mentions a bunch of books that kind of interrogate this, this idea that, um, you know, a, a woman does not have, like a, like a successful independent woman um, can't also be lonely right um and sh she says the problem with the valorization of female independence is that it is inherent it inherently shames women from being anything but mm. spoken and unspoken in these narratives is the fact that the liberation of women goes hand in hand with their ability to be capitalistically self-sufficient so that means not just uh, financially, but also kind of like yeah. on an emotional level, right? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't allow for um, any weakness or, or failure. It doesn't allow for um, needs. It kind of like um, pushes toward the, m the minimalization of, of like needs. Um, but some of these books are, are really fascinating. Um, I've read Eileen. I've read Eileen and yeah. I've read uh, the, as a Tessa Moshveg. And I've also read The Year of Rest and Relaxation, um, which is also really good. But she, man, she does uh, female narrators or protagonists uh, well in terms yeah. of like she's not writing uh, characters that have really been written or represented before. Yeah. I mean, some people call it like to call like the unlikable woman, which is a label I have a. I don't like I'm, I don't like the label unlikable woman because I'm like this is just a complex human just woman <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like we don't I was like we don't I was like I, that always bugged me like in TV like characters like Tony Soprano or the Breaking Bad guy and like it's like oh they're just complex but if you had yeah. a woman character like I was like oh like Laura Dern and Enlightened one of the best fucking shows on television in the last mm -hmm. century uh, and everyone's like oh she's so unlikable and I'm like no she's just a human she's just a complicated human um but yeah so i that always, people always say a testimony writes unlikable woman characters and i'm like no she's just a person <laughs> yeah she does a really good job of writing women who um are very like 
she writes the kind of like grossness of of like and and sort of like a a bodily sense of being yeah. a woman that I, I love it. Feel like is very um avoided in in a lot of like portrayals of women and it's like oh, I agree like women have bodies that do bodily things and it's like really refreshing to kind of read that in a character you know who does that musically we're gonna I think play a song by her later and we played one last week and I remember hearing it as a very impressionable 13 year old uh PJ Harvey mm-hmm. many of her songs are super like visceral female body horror mm-hmm. um yeah I'll make you lick my injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to read this this uh, book, Convenience for a Woman, which is sort of like the extreme of like a woman denying her needs to the point of um, just being a, a worker, a cog. Um, it's by a Japanese writer, but it also kind of like is, it's it's also commentary on this idea that like you... You can't like like there's an acceptable state for mm-hmm. a woman, you know. Yeah. Um. And and that acceptable state is like often harder than the like s- sitting in the place where you're denying all of your yeah. needs and and just being um, an emotionless shell. And it's like kind of a. It's like those are the two choices totally. that are presented <laughs> as acceptable. <laughs> It'd be really interesting to like read a lot of these books chronologically and just mm-hmm. see like the evolution of this archetype. I mean, I think of like the I was a really big reader as a kid and I read a lot of like weirdly old stuff. Like like I was huge into Little Woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Little Woman. And Anne <laughs> Gables and I love like Joe March and Little Woman and Anne Shirley and Annie Green Gables, I was obsessed with because they were these two girls who just like did not give a fuck and were so independent and like annoyed by like the boys in there. You know, like yeah. it wasn't about like getting a guy. Um, it was about like how can I continue to maintain my independence oh my God. and individuality and like, the, you know, the 19th century. <laughs> I'm really excited about the little woman oh my movie. god i'm seeing it like up. the day it comes out yeah and i've i've been wanting to reread little women for a while because when i read it as a kid yeah i feel like this is always a little bit embarrassing to admit to people that like the character that i related to was amy march amy was the older sister she was the youngest would remind me what happens to her she um is she the one who and, dies no She's the one who ends up with Lori. Oh, and that's she's right. Artist, and she's like seen as like the, I, I didn't realize yeah. this reading it as a kid, but she's seen as like the evil one, the bitch. Oh. Because oh. she kind of, but because she's the one who like burns Joe's diary oh, and is well, like, just you know, sister, flies really. in a rage. <laughs> and she ends up, she ends up as like an artist who refuses to kind of like conform to well, the wills of society but also does it in her own way that's sort of like under the radar whereas yeah. joe is like i want to be like you know like forceful about yes. my my independence whereas amy was like well i'm just gonna sneakily get there on my own you know yeah no and i think that's like, still, I, they're all like they're all archetypes did you ever see the um katherine hepburn version no oh no. she in my opinion is the best joe march I think it came out in like the 40s. It's so good. It's worth watching the that version of Little Woman. 
Yeah, I, I really want to reread it and yeah. and watch the previous versions because I wonder if I would identify differently now. Yeah, I mean, you have to report back. I'm curious. Yeah, I also like loneliness. Um, I meant to mention this word um, a few weeks ago when we were talking about it. Uh, this word, the eremocene. Oh, another good is, new uh, word for me. Yeah, this is a word coined by the biologist E.O. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a um, companion to the word Anthropocene, which okay. you know, refers to this era of like um, geological impact by humans. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Eremocene is a word proposed by E.O. Wilson about the kind of um, mass extinction that we're in the middle of. And um, it means the age of loneliness. Interesting. Yeah. Did we talk... I've I was talking about this with somebody recently, but I don't think we talked about it on air. Have you ever read any books by J.G. Ballard? No, but recently someone was having a conversation with me about J.G. Ballard. I'm trying to remember what the context was. So you might like him because he is actually kind of writing way ahead of his time in like the 60s about... um sort of like dystopian futures that have to do with climate change. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he wrote this book called The Drowned World, which I had to do a project on recently. And it's really interesting because he imagines a world in which, like, it's it's gotten a a lot hotter and it's thrown, Mm -hmm. like, the climate and the geology of the world back into, like, the Jurassic era. Mm -hmm. So, like, humans are dwindling because it's too hot for them to live, whereas, like, mega fauna and flora are like flourishing like reptiles are getting larger but it has this like really bizarre psychological impact on humans and that they like stop wanting connection and they like they want to be really isolated and like it's like changing like the like their evolutionary psychology if that makes sense yeah that definitely feels very um like of today like we have a lot of conversations about um, this kind of new norm of isolation, yeah. Because we interact through screens, and and that screen, the the screen time kind of like diminishes um, your perceptions of, of humans in all kinds of ways. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, it doesn't feel like connection that is like. I mean, I'm I don't know. I'm speaking for myself, but it doesn't feel like connection that's like. M- meaningful and and deep to me. Not like I haven't. I mean, I've made yeah. connections and friends like online. It seems it, it definitely seems like it's there's more uh, probability of like an unsustainable. Yeah, it seems illusory to me. Like yeah. a yeah. like illusionist. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I was already thinking. Speaking of solitude, I think I mentioned this last week, but I really want to take like take myself somewhere for new year's eve alone for two days and i just want to bring a stack of books mm-hmm. and be alone and read i want like a reading vacation with myself yeah. but now i'm gonna take this stack of books on <laughs> on loneliness, <laughs> on loneliness yeah. and, so- and and solitary woman yeah i really want to read seal the deal books. yeah all right i'll do some snack scope sagittarius you might be tempted to bury yourself in distractions right now but you'd be better served by sitting in whatever discomfort you're feeling watch videos of snakes shedding their skins of molting lizards it requires a stillness and recognition of the bright slippery skin that awaits you to inhabit 
a wiser, fresher you. Listen to Bjork and eat Doritos. Capricorn, it's uh, a good time to connect with other people, to look them in the eye and ask how they're doing. Some make you feel a little itchy and weird, but just know that even if there are not tangible results from these interactions, they are planting invisible threads between you and others that will only grow stronger and more fortified. Eat Kit Kats and listen to Braids. Aquarius, this is a good week for rereading all your old diaries, for visiting old selves and seeing how you've changed and how your molten core of being stays the same. You love to leave the past in the past, but these former yous might have some advice for what you're going through, even if they make you cringe a little. Eat biscuits and listen to Dionne Warwick. And you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. Tell us about being lonely. You can also follow us on Instagram at Witch Radio. I'm going to play another set. This is the Pat Pats and Peach Kelly Pop with Sing and Pretty. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.FM. Thank you for teaching me. 
What's really going on? This is Boots Riley. You are listening to BFF.FM.
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard Suburban Lawns with Flying Saucer, Safari. Before that was Lena Lovich with Lucky Number. Before that, Chibomato with Beef Jerky. Starting off that set was the Pat Pats and Peach Kelly Pop with Sing and Pretty. And that is a good segue to talking about California punk and Chinese restaurants. Yeah. What's the <laughs> what's the relationship? <laughs> so this is a, a piece from Topic magazine. It's called How Chinese Food Fueled the Rise of California Punk. It's got an amazing set of photographs. And uh, there's apparently a, a documentary coming soon. I didn't know about this and I was I, I love the set of images and I yeah, love reading the, these accounts. The the first one is of a uh, Alice Bag of the Bags who Alice Bag is actually going to be playing at Burger Boogaloo next summer. Wow. So very good uh old punk lineup. Yeah, old punk throwback. Yeah. So this uh this piece follows a series of uh, Chinese restaurants back in the 70s, 80s? Yeah, like kind of late 70s, early 80s. Um, I remember from LA, um, Sacramento, San Francisco. Uh, yeah, and so there was an uh, unlikely and oftentimes uneasy <laughs> relationship struck up between uh, the punk music scene and Chinese restaurants. Yeah, um, and Chinatowns um, are, are kind of like, during this time, we're already kind of like on the fringe, so it, it was like somewhat natural for this to happen, but it was also, it's, it seems like it was, it was fraught in other ways, um, that sometimes a, a Chinese restaurant would, um, you know, have, so uh, how this started was a, a, um, a band approached a Chinese restaurant called Hong Kong, the, the Hong Kong Low, and asked if they could rent the um, upstairs as a as a punk venue, and um, it, was, it was kind of like a practical decision of yeah. like yeah sure um, that's a another way to bring in income. Um, so that was one of a string of um, Chinese restaurants that then doubled as punk venues. I love this uh, the sentence. Nor did he know how many times the restaurant's toilet would get smashed in the process. Yeah. Yeah. But punks are not like a gentle crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's kind of like heartbreaking to think about, you know, these like, I think of these like, you know, these these poor immigrant dads being like, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Be, but be I'll, gentle. And, <laughs> and but also to maybe, I mean not realize at the time or not until much later that like they did also sort of incubate and birth this like pretty incredible and formative and influential music scene yeah um you know that like flourished very hot and strong for a couple years and i also love that the the hong kong would continue like dinner service during the shows um which were happened pretty much every night so they said downstairs um there would be Chinese people eating dinner with their families and upstairs there'd be this crazy punk stuff going on. <laughs> They're like early punk shows. Uh, yeah. So they said like, so this is like, yeah, you know, the ceiling would be like shaking. 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, and you look at like these uh, iconic pictures of these shows, um, and you're just like, oh man, what I wouldn't give uh, to be there. But also, yeah, like they. Uh, I think you pointed out some uh, one of a relative of one of the families is making a documentary, um, and she said, you know, yeah, it was this weirdly practical business thing, and culturally, it was an interesting handshake because like neither neither group is part of like the mainstream right um and so like it wasn't that that unusual um yeah what is with um i'm I'm curious like aesthetically i understand the connection between punk and smashing things Mm -hmm. but um outside of like destroy the establishment like is there is there kind of like um a reason that things are smashed by by punks other yeah. than like just you know it's like rage and it's like well, aesthetically interesting a lot of smash a lot of punk uh particularly like in the late 70s early 80s especially as you get into like the reagan era it's really political yeah. and really uh um anti-capitalist uh and so you just had a lot of like pissed off youth you know that were like i don't want to be a part of the mainstream I don't agree with like you know the political right or the religious right. Um, don't I don't agree with capitalism. So you know, so many really really uh, influential like political punk bands came out of the Bay Area. Actually, yeah. um, we're gonna play a song in a little bit by Kamala and the Carnivores. Uh, Kamala Parks is one of the founders of uh, Gilman Street mm-hmm. Music yeah. Venue. Um, yeah, so that it had a lot to do with that, and and I think probably in some ways, like you're getting also a bit of a like latent backlash to like the sixty, like the hippies, right in the sixties. Um, yeah, I I think the smashing things is like the one thing that always stood out to me as a, like it that it didn't quite go, <laughs> you know, with a lot like in terms of like just like the destruction of things that were that were like useful or valuable to people giving you space you know well, it's a li- like it always yeah like yeah it always i i think mitski um wrote a thing a few years ago that i remember that like um and she was like oh yeah i like relate to sort of the spirit and value of these things but like i've never been able to like destroy things and be dirty and be like um grungy in this way and it's it's like it it seems like that is also kind of like comes with like a protective bubble of of privilege sometimes like being able to do those things sure like yeah well yeah and it's like a you know a lot of the punk movement is also really lined up with like anarchist beliefs yeah so this idea that like well nothing has value Mm -hmm. uh you know and everything should be destroyed i'm reading this really interesting book right now that i will talk about more when i finish it because it's fascinating it's by ted i don't know if i'm saying this right Gioa. Mm-hmm. it's called a subversive history of music mm-hmm. um and so he kind of makes this you know thesis or claim about he, t- he goes over like four thousand uh years of history of music and it being this kind of source of like power and change and upheaval Mm-hmm. Um and 
how kind of like social outcasts become these sort of trailblazers and of musical expression. And he goes through yeah. everything from like slavery to, to punk, but I haven't gotten to the punk section yet, but, um, and there's something about, you know, I'm always really curious in any artistic medium, whether that's like painting or writing or music, but how like the structure reinforces the content. Yeah. And so like you listen to a lot of punk and it's fast and it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a violent qual- like feeling to it. Yeah, it sounds like smashing, which is kind of yeah. that's that's interesting to me too because it's like you're kind of like channeling that into the art, you yeah. know, instead of like other like you're make you're making art out of like all this rage and and that's I think why punk connects with so many like angsty youth and and people beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I may I uh We'll be excited to see this documentary. I definitely, growing up in the early mid-90s in the Bay Area, did my fair share of time at, like, super grungy, weird, like, non-venues. Um, there's this really hilarious picture in here of, like, the toilets at um, San Francisco's <laughs> uh, iconic uh, punk club, uh, the the Mab, or the Mabuhay Gardens. Um, and this is a rare scene of intact toilets. <laughs> it's like yeah. Two people peeing in like graffiti toilets. Um, I like this quote that this article ends with, which is, uh, it comes from Christy Shigakawa, who's, who's working on this documentary. She's the great niece of Bill Hong. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she says, you know, she's like interviewed a ton of musicians and fans who were around during that time who were kind of like moved by this whole kind of scene and um what struck her most is how most of them uh want to like feel kind of apologetic now about how they kind of like destroyed her family's restaurant (laughs) well you know and it also that also kind of goes hand in hand with youth right i mean there's something about being like young and in your like teens and your 20s where you don't really like you're not as good of like consequences you know or respect <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know but i'm interested i love these sort of like flaring moments in history that like happen intensely and then burn out where it's like everything comes together at the perfect time and i think that a lot about like california punk in yeah. the late 70s early 80s it was just this like flashbang moment in which everything kind of reached this fever pitch and it went on to be so influential over the next couple of decades but it really was not a scene that went on for very long you know and I'm like and I always wonder like I, I wonder a lot about like in the just the like media and medium cli- climate we have now like if it's even possible to have like a quote-unquote scene like that anymore because music is so much more widely dispersed right and yeah. uh, accessible and like we don't like listen to like entire albums anymore i mean there was also this quality i think in this era that um that we're talking about where like you kind of just had to know where to go you well, know I think that still exists just in other ways yeah i think that like community spaces kind of in the margins sure are always there it's just a matter of like yeah. whether whether you're in a position to to kind of like be clued into that i think like certainly if you're a you're like a you know teen or early 20s person there there are like lots of spaces of that kind of like fly under the margins yeah um 
and maybe even like beyond that right like even even thinking about the ways that some of the community spaces we're part of are operate in this kind of like non-space yeah you know that's totally Um, true and and i also think a lot about like the aesthetics of necessity right like that is kind of like reproduced later when it when it becomes a thing of a scene like the punk flyers in this piece are a great example of that um they were made that way and they looked that way because that's like what these people had um available to them it's the true tools that were available and then now that's kind of like something that's being replicated and i see that happening um for for like underground parties and stuff um still and yeah and w- with different tools but kind of like still with that like sense of like this isn't a a shiny money thing this is like a, a small community thing yeah and this is an artist making this um sometimes on their phone or you know with with whether whatever tools are are available also it's interesting in, in an analog perspective because i th- most of the flyers that you see on here probably are going for at least 50 to 100 bucks on ebay because mm-hmm. they are these like uh actual artifacts mm-hmm. um these like physical artifacts even and, though like, they were just like photocopied <laughs> and you could like photocopy your own and scratch it up yep. yeah yeah all right we have some more snackoscopes Pisces, I bet you feel a little emptied out right now, and that's a spooky feeling because it's normal to want to fill the void with whatever is old and familiar, even if it is bad for you. Instead, take a pilgrimage to some wide open empty spaces in nature. Lie down and notice the quiet ways the space is filled with birds, breezes, bugs. Listen to Jenny Lewis and eat apples. Areas you might feel a little off kilter right now, like a vibrating tornado that hasn't learned how to uh, touch its tornado legs to the ground just yet. Sticking a landing is hard work, and sometimes it's uh, it can be easier to just stay up in your head, in your thoughts. Practice just walking, noticing where your feet meet your legs. What does the ground have to teach you? Eat pie and listen to swans. Taurus, think about the things you've newly loved in the last year. Songs, people, places, fleeting moments you'll never experience again. It's easy for you to dwell on the things you've lost, but another way to see it uh, as, is as the things that have built your foundation brick by brick. What if you greeted everything new with that embrace? Eat peanuts and listen to Solange. And you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. Here's some more music for you. This is Suburban Reptiles with Saturday Night Stay at Home. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm.
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard Kamala and the Carnivores with Back to Bodhi. Before that was the B-52s with Devil in My Car. Before that, Frisch Farb with Psycho Killer cover. And starting off that set was Suburban Reptiles with Saturday Night, Stay at Home. Yeah, you know, I love it. I, I love it. It's my, most of my Saturdays. We've got a, uh, got a special guest on. Hello. Hi, Ooh. Lily. I sound, I sound different. I sound weird. You sound good. I, I think sound it's crystal the, clear. It, it's the magic of, yeah. uh, you know. I sound um, like I'm coming in from an astral plane. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're astrally projecting. I am. <laughs> um, Lily is the uh, host of Radical Advice, and it's a show that's <gasps> coming to an end. It is. Where are we going to get all our radical advice from now? I guess you could just <laughs> re-listen to all the archives. I will. I mean, there's a lot of other people out there like, giving good advice. I text love Lily. Yeah, just text me. Personal advice. I will say if you find yourself feeling lonely in the new year, um, friend of both of our shows, Danny Scoville, is going to be in the co-host chair for the first two shows of oh, January. Nice. So if you want to pop by, we might do something that's advicey, relationshipy. Spiritually. Well, let me know because my whole thing is I, I'm i not going to do my show, but I want people to invite me yeah. to their oh, shows really, or have me yeah. co-host or fill what in. Are you, where can people like uh, find your work now? Well, so I, I'm i on Twitter at Lily Rose Sloan. Um, and I mean, a lot of that's just my work there is um, making dumb jokes. But I also will sometimes share things I do. Um, Lily makes sound.com is my main website for all my audio work and lilysloan.com is my therapy website i'm also a therapist um and then i'll be working i'll still be part of bff and i'll be working on some podcast projects here so can you talk at all about what made you want to conclude this particular project well yeah it's it's a lot of things i mean one of them is that i was finding it increasingly difficult to book guests mm. and and get new listener questions sure. from people and so there's that side where it's just like uh, and that brought up a lot of feelings of like nobody even cares nobody listens like true. what's the point but it's like it like that was there but then there's also um this feeling of like i think i could be making this work if i wanted to put the work into doing sure. that and i think that i'm I'm done with that and I'm ready for some new new phases of my, my yeah. time at BFF. And and also just in my career as a, in general, I'm shifting away from my therapist identity as being my primary identity. And so there's been a, a slow kind of unpeeling yeah. of that. Sometimes yeah. I find I'm in a big, uh, as I was saying on the show earlier, I'm in a big wrapping up of many chapters Ooh. in my life right now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things are like the next uh, move is nebulous and hazy mm -hmm, and it makes mm -hmm. me really anxious. But I, I don't know about you, but like with it, I, if you get to sense, sometimes I get to sense like also when things start to feel a little more difficult like that, where I'm like, this may be a sign that I'm like, I've outgrown this thing. And that like, I, yeah. it's like nudging me in a new direction, you know, that I don't know what that direction is yet. And I mm -hmm. think sometimes we, 
I know at least I rush to like fill in the void or the space and I'm trying to be really mindful right now of like it's okay to not know what's gonna happen and it's yeah. okay to like let it come to you and just be open rather than like fill it in with something because mm -hmm. you feel anxious or antsy or like it, I need an answer right now it's absolutely okay it's also absolutely uncomfortable <laughs> so uncomfortable. like like it's super I'm so uncomfortable, uncomfortable right yeah now. and we have a I think I think humans have a hard time sitting in the discomfort of the unknown but I yeah. think our society responds to that in a really manic way which is yeah. to fill it in to do 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 go 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 so a lot of yeah. people out there even push people to do that and and society pushes you in that direction and it really is important to float to be lost to feel that discomfort sometimes yeah even though it sucks and like you need to also you can pamper yourself through it you can you can say, you know, right now I need to numb out. Right now I need to, you know, I need everyone to hug me a whole bunch. <laughs> you know, you can have those, those, mm -hmm. you can have help. You don't have to yeah. do it alone, but it's, um, but parts of it will be alone and it's very uncomfortable. And I've been through that. I've been going through that a lot for sure, it's, especially as the therapist identity thing peeling back has been a long, slow process. But I find the nice thing about getting older, at least for me, is the, like recognition that like, well, this isn't the first time I've been here, you know, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe it's the first time I've been in this specific situation, but it's not the first time I've like felt that weird gap in transition totally. and been like, yeah. okay, so you know that something else is coming, mm -hmm. but you don't know what it is yet. And like, what if you just got curious about what this like weird liminal mm -hmm. gray space means and like. Yeah. So I'm trying to listen. My intuition is just like, right now is the time to be still. Yeah. So I have yeah. this question for yes. you, Lily. Yeah. Um, what are the things you're doing to kind of um, ease in this transition for, uh, from the show to beyond the show? Uh, beyond, like <laughs> like beyond the veil. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, beyond the galaxy. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I'm building a spaceship. Yes. Um, no, I, I don't know why I said no. Like I need to clarify that I'm not um, actually building a spaceship, but I... I wouldn't say that I have anything figured out. I would say that something I'm I'm just n doing, I think, is trying to notice the feelings as they come up yeah. Yeah. and see how I want to respond to them. And mm -hmm. there's, oh, it's happening right now. There's a lot of grief. <laughs> and so like, yeah. and it's not, I don't think it's just ending my show. It's just like life and like all the various ways that things are nebulous or unfulfilled mm -hmm. or like not known yeah and and the various parts of myself that are shedding um today i started actually working on my place talk for Ooh. the prelinger library so, so that's excited. happening january 16th holy shit because i started well i i didn't <laughs> start it today because i obviously did a lot of research before i proposed it but um, I started writing today and I was like, oh, this isn't what the talk was going to be about. Yeah, that's, that's okay. But I feel like that's exactly <laughs> what happens when you... I mean, <laughs> luckily the title that's on the posters would still work. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, I love oh, when it changes that. I know. And I'm starting to think like, oh, I'm processing a lot of really big stuff about identity. Yeah. And like what what we need as people to feel safe enough to be flexible about our identity. Yeah. Because identity is like, the more rigid it is, it's because we're responding to a sense of unsafety. Yes. And so like the more the more chaotic your upbringing and your, you know, the more trauma you're dealing with, 
the more I think that these this sense of this is who I am and this is how I need to live, it becomes more rigid and that yeah. happens on a societal level too. Mm. And I think the safer we feel, the more space there is to live in nuance, to be more complicated. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we that's were talking, something I'm really processing. We were talking about um, loneliness earlier and how mm. um, in literature... Uh, male characters for a long time had the capacity to be lonely and to be, you know, quote unquote complex. Yeah. Whereas a lot of women um, characters and women in the world uh, have trouble with the idea of loneliness uh, and deny loneliness yeah. in favor yeah. of solitude. There's no mm -hmm. kind of safety to admit to loneliness. Yeah, and it does it does take a lot of safety to have space for a whole for a wide range of emotions yeah. and yeah. reactions and emotions and reactions that feel unfamiliar to us that don't feel predictable or um contained that actually the safety whatever container there is around us in our lives whether it's something we create or it's co-created in our community or whatever it's it really it actually ideally makes space for us to be uncontained yeah. within that container. So what are some proposals you might have uh, from your place as a, a person who's worked as a therapist and also a person who's um, worked in community spaces mm -hmm. like BFF? Uh, what are your proposals for um, making space for loneliness? Ooh. That is such a good question. Um, on I think that the main thing that I think about it is it's an emotional experience that we like any other emotional experience I want there to be normalization and validation mm -hmm. around yeah so I know for me to feel safe I need to feel like even if I'm feeling lonely I'm not alone mm -hmm. <laughs> so so again that's the container it's like okay, you feel totally alone right now. You feel like you have no one. But there's this meta level where I actually know that I'm safe and I know that I'm not alone. I'm sorry, I'm crying at everything like lately. I love <laughs> it. I could totally go through phases where safe I like yeah, thank you. <laughs> I know, well, this little studio is a container. Yeah. This, is, this has been a container for me the last two and a half years. And I know it's been... A sort of container for, oh, yeah. for you two for so much six longer years. six years yeah. and that's like having having a space any kind of space where if you end up getting teary or <laughs> having a negative being in a quote negative state of mind you know that you're allowed to yeah. like this is when when we were collecting or when uh, amanda was collecting stories from people about how bff has impacted their lives and i read them I was so moved by how many people had a similar story to me. That was like, I have a lot of, you know, I have anxiety and depression or I'm dealing with a lot of scary things in my life. And this is a place where, you know, this this is like some, this is something that's grounding mm -hmm. and that's safe. And that gives me a place to play, to like, mm -hmm. to explore whatever that means to, have people that you can connect with in some way, whether it's over the air or in person. And I think that the worst thing that can happen with loneliness is for someone to actually be alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And and there are a lot of people who are, and that yeah. sucks. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because loneliness is going to happen either way. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's going to happen even if you're in a happy situation, whether that's a relationship or surrounded by people. Yeah. Exactly. Loneliness is, is yeah. like a human condition. Yeah, it's like I'm part of this community and I and this community has changed my life and I still get lonely. I still get social anxiety. I still think everybody hates me. You know, like oh, yeah. I go through all those things. I know I'm not the only one. Nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, I do want to plug, uh, you mentioned Place Talks for those listening who don't know what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. one of my favorite San Francisco institution events yeah, for the Prelinger same. Library Archives. Um, it's a series and you are giving a talk on, you said January 16th. 16th. Yeah, so, so there was it, on a Thursday. So can you look, yeah, just Google Place Talks. Yeah, Prelinger, yeah. Prelinger Archive. And tomorrow night, we're going to see Lost Landscape. Yeah, which will oh, be my... I'm going to. Oh, oh you got to come sit with us. Yeah. It'll be, uh, that'll be my first time. It's a whole BFF crew. Amanda, uh, Cosmic Luke. Amanda, Pal Pressburger will be there. Wonderful. Uh, I go every year. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm going this year. There's actually other people influenced me to get the ticket, and then they're not going. So oh, it's like... hang out with us. I get to hang I out got, with I've gone most cool years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they just the library as a whole like does really interesting yeah. work with archiving. Um, yeah, yeah, I stuff. did a place talk yeah, two years it. ago, and I'm I just recently uh, found out that I'm going to be continuing that project another cool. in another form. Oh, you are! So, That's so great. Um, I love your yeah, talk. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, off the air. But yeah. uh, I also decided this year to make them one of the places that I support on oh um, that's wonderful financially so yeah cool. like on on um giving Tuesday which I didn't actually do until like Friday maybe <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I was like you know I'm just gonna pick four it's a Tuesday somewhere yeah yeah, yeah. I was like I'm gonna pick four things that I really love in the Bay Area and yeah like, that's so great they're doing such important work yeah. yeah I feel very honored to be doing something there and yeah. very intimidated too I'm so I can't <laughs> wait to to see it yeah all right beatrix do you want to do a speed run of, of a little some... auctioneers <laughs> auction off these snack scopes well gemini this will be a good time um <laughs> gemini this could be a good time to do an inventory of selves all the little nesting dolls inside of you sometimes it's hard to let go of versions of ourselves we used to be even when they fit like two tight jeans we worry about the people we might leave behind about the methods this self has taught us about how to get by Throw a goodbye party, eat sushi, and listen to heart. Cancer, it's not your imagination. The world and everyone in it seems underwater right now. Moving through your days feels uh, slow motion, like you're opening and closing your mouth, but words don't reach anyone's ears. This will pass. Your shoes will dry out. It's a season for burrowing, for turning inward, so let it be for now. Listen to Rihanna and eat crisp apples. Leo, shout out to Lily Sloan, resident Leo. You might feel a little in flux right now, a little neither here nor there. This can lead you to scrambling frantically for safe ground, for equilibrium. But it's actually a moment for testing your balance, for seeing what it feels like to shift from one side to the other with grace and humility. You can inspire others with this vulnerability and freedom by crying on air. (laughs) This is ridiculous because that Gemini's my moon. These two are just like spot on. Oh, damn. Listen to Vangelis. Eat an orange. Super spacey. I have some beauty yeah. at home. Uh, Virgo, this is a good time for noticing the things in your, uh, the things your eyes don't normally focus on. Get down close to the ground or find a tide pool or tree to gaze into. 
let your eyes go soft. You probably won't see much at first, but soon you'll realize there are a whole vast worlds inside of one square inch of space. What do these worlds want to show you? Listen to Talk Talk and eat a burrito. Libra, what is a tired old story you tell yourself about yourself? Where did the story come from? Consider the ways this story has dictated your behavior and choices. Then consider that you are the story's original architect and author. You've written all the details and characters. What if your story had a different ending? Try writing it. Eat hummus and listen to Angel Olsen. And Scorpio, this is a good time to examine all the strange things floating in your brain, the little flecks of memories and germs of ideas that always seem to elude your grasp. Find patches of sunlight to lie in and see what shapes press against your eyelids and remain after you open them. It's time to shake out the dust, shake out the fuzz. Listen to David Bowie and eat a pear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be shaking out some fuzz and dust. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Clinging to some germs of ideas. I like that a lot. <laughs> Uh, thanks for appearing. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah. Next week we have Virgie on, right? Yeah. We're going to have Virgie Tovar on next week. Uh, and we're going to talk. Taurus um, queen. Taurus queen. Absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about, um, the body. I love it. Sensuality. That's all I want to talk about as a Taurus. (laughs) We're going to leave you with PJ Harvey to bring you my love. You've been listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. Next up is the Hanging Garden Radio Show. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. God.